take people's bios as, as, as gospel. We take their resumes as if they didn't get some professional to write it. So now, what, so what we do is, first of all, in all of our training, we are able from the assessment to say, you know what? You're not called to the prophetic. I know you want to do it, I, but you're not called to be a prophet. For example, my, my PAQ, the prophetic aptitude questionnaire, it will take them out of the office as well as put them in. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Well, it would take a very long time for me to fully introduce my guest for today's show, so let's just hit on some of the highlights, then we'll get to know her more as our conversation unfolds. Dr. Paula Price is based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with her organization, Paula Price Ministries, and she's been active in full-time ministry since 1985, She's been academically qualified with a DMIN, Doctor of Ministries, and a PhD in religious education from Word of Truth Seminary in Alabama. But she also has a background in business with sales and marketing. She is known as an international voice on the subject of apostolic and prophetic ministry, and she's recognized as a modern-day apostle with a strong prophetic anointing. She has used her gift in writing and publishing. She's written many books and manuals and other course material on the apostolic and prophetic, and she's most recognized for her Prophet's Dictionary and the Prophet's Handbook. We'll talk about those today. Besides all that, she's a wife, mother, and grandmother. So, Dr. Price, welcome to Charisma Connection. Thank you, Chris. I am very glad to be here, and I certainly praise God for you inviting me today. Well, it's wonderful to have you here today. Now, my biggest question may be, when do you rest? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I get that question all the time. And and it's funny because when you're doing it, you don't think you're doing anything. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just doing what God needs in the moment. I don't think time and all of that. And I'm, I'm so enthusiastic about what the Lord wants to accomplish and being privileged by him to handle these projects. And I call them, you know, my Jesus projects. And so I'm privileged to do it. So I never think about it. Besides, when you love what you do, you become one with it. Rest just fits into it when it does. Well, there you go. Now, you call yourself an interesting term, the soulologist. Now, I could take apart that word, but (laughs) what exactly is a soulologist in your view? In my view, uh, I am a soulologist where I stand on 1 John, you know, John's uh, epistle talking about that he wished above all things that we prospered and and were in health as our soul prospered. And then the other one that God used to have me start this program um, called the soul of success is David. He restores my soul. Third one is, is Psalm 17 when he says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You put those three together and you realize that we talk a lot about the spirit, Chris. We, you know, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, manifestations of the spirit. But we don't realize that the soul is what we kind of overlook. So why is that important right now in today's world? Because you, many Christians don't know that God sent Jesus' soul to hell. And when I started studying that, I realized, hold it, wait a minute. I think we're missing something here. And so... From that point on, God made a a bold statement to me. He said, you know, Paula, the Old Testament is all about the soul. Over almost 500 times he mentions it. The New Testament is about the spirit. 
almost a little over 300 times. He said, it's the soul that has to, that, that gets us into heaven. I know we don't think about it a lot, but we must believe to the saving of the soul, you know? So um, with all of that, I developed a program called Soul of Success. And that basically it's, it's teaching people the soul, the way the maker made it, the way the maker uses it, and how it will pass us from death to life. Well, you have studied a lot, I can tell. <laughs> well, that's, that's wonderful because, you know, like you say, we don't emphasize it too much. We do talk about soul care a little bit. So uh, that's good that you've, you've touched on that. Now, you have developed some important resources. And I want to ask you, you've developed over 25. So how many of those are your babies? Like, <laughs> what, are, what are some of your favorites among them? Well, actually, what I've done now is probably closer to 60 or 70 since that. Is that right? You know, okay. yeah, because I have, I founded Price University, which is a full-fledged apostolic prophetic emphasis university. Now, that is not all, all that we teach there, but it is uh, the emphasis of our school. It's learn today, lead tomorrow. So the emphasis is getting the church to be leading tomorrow and every tomorrow. So in order to do that, I did it, Chris, because um, we, we like to say first apostle, secondarily prophet, but when you, when you research it, you can't really degree those two. And if you can't degree them, then we cannot take our rightful place in society, at the tables of the world, in the academic halls and all of that. So what I've done is I develop a, a curricula that will be to that end, you know, they're emphasizing the dipl diplomatic and ambassadorial sides of apostleship, as well as our ecclesial responsibilities, and then always dealing with the prophet as God's divine communications institution. So that's, that's the umbrella of it. To, that, to these ends, I began with writing the first book, I've, a textbook on the apostle, which is getting ready to be re-released called Constructing the Contemporary Prophet, and it's really taking the gift and bumping it up to what it really was in Bible, which is office. So I introduced the concept of gift versus office. From there, I realized that, okay, I have this curriculum, I've written all of these courses, but I have no point of cohesion. Mm -hmm. And so for, to, to bring about cohesion, I wrote the Prophet's Dictionary, which I am most well known for. And the Prophet's Dictionary is 1,600 terms, well, let's, let's stop right there. 1,600 terms. Yes. And you found all terms. those in the scriptures? Yep, every one of them. It's extremely scripture-laden, not just scripture-laced. It's extremely scripture-laden because the whole idea of a prophet is that you speak for the deity that is sending you to take care of its affairs. So it, since God is God, he's our God, Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy— it was not hard to consider Jesus is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So I developed the 1600 terms in the center, the area on the prophetic. I, I literally uh, institutionalized the prophetic so that we understand that it's more than a talking uh, instrument. It's more than a talking gift, if you will. And, and so now, and it's been out, uh, I don't know, we might be in our 15th year and it's still, hmm. it keeps getting a new life cycle. And okay. so uh, it's a it's, kind of a classic powerful. now. 
Yeah, yeah, well, they tell me because it's a dictionary, it will always be, it is required text uh -huh. for most um, prophetic education. Okay. There's a companion to it called the Prophet's Handbook. And likewise, the handbook is a textbook, and it's a textbook on, on building a prophet, making a prophet. Now, my third hot button, my big, big hot button, are my uh, standardized ministry assessments. Uh, I developed over a 12-year period of time a, bot, a, a group of assessments for the uh, fivefold for prophets and apostles, they're web-based. Anybody can go online and do it. They're web as a web-based, and then we from there we uh, they tell you where you are in ministry, whether you're called. So it's more than an inventory list, which most of them are. It comes they can get up to 60 pages of information on themselves through these assessments. Is it for the everyday Christian or for pastors or who would you say would best benefit from your standardized ministry assessments? Everybody who wants to know. We've had fire chiefs. We've had attorneys. We've had doctors and judges. It is amazing because what we learn is that, hey, God is all. So even though it may come up with a little bit, because it's more, uh, it's not as Christianese as you would imagine, but it may come up with a little bit of a, of a Bible language, but they find themselves like we have, I think the most two things that if I can share quickly, two sure. things that mm -hmm. really blew my mind. The first thing was that um, we did it uh, with a, an assessee who was uh, an apostle, had a young church growing beautiful people did the assessment and then we have a group version so that they can have a department or their whole church or their business take it well the assessment comes back and sure enough the assess the head of the church is an apostle it mm -hmm. it and explains it now it says that they're a gift pushing into office but they're still a prophet i mean an apostle how about this the rest of the leadership is prophet not one apostolic mind in that bunch. So needless to say, when we take the, because we have a thing where we take, where we, we randomize, take this one out and see what happens. When we took the, the pastor out of the church, the church became 100% prophetic. Interesting. So, so, the, uh, so in our assessment, because every assessment comes with an advisement, and with the, in the assessment, I said, you realize that you may have the attributes of an apostle, but the problem is, you don't recognize it and you because you, and you don't exhibit it so what's drawing your people is your prophet side so you are your mantle attraction is that of a prophet well well I can, you don't even want to hear the rest of it but it, anyway it was an amazing <laughs> hallelujah it was an amazing tool then we had one other we were a, a, a bishop had all i mean he had churches all over it was really great and so he just decided to have all of his uh, leaders take it well, he had a daughter-in-law who had just gotten married. He just got them a facility, and his son a facility. And he, they were hammering this girl. I mean, hammering her to do ministry. And she said, I just don't have an appetite for it. I just want to be a wife. I don't really want to do it. I just want to be free. I want to stand beside my husband. They argue with this girl. So finally, they force her to take the assessment. And you know what, Chris? The assessment said, you have no ministerial aptitude at the time of this assessment. Wow. <laughs> so she, so, so that she was confirmed. It. Right. So she hears it on the phone and she shrieks, I told you, I told you, I'm just supposed to be a wife. So that, Well, that's its own the, ministry, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Exactly. But it was interesting that, that, that it settles arguments. And I always say we are the independent third party 
that confirms what pastors and leaders know instinctually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you have, you know, lots of credentialing tools, don't you? And even some type of ceremonies that you have created. Did you see a real need for this in the body of Christ? Absolutely. I am a firm believer of credentialing. Many of us don't realize that credentialing affirms uh, is a credibility. It mm-hmm. establishes credibility. We, when we go back, um, and I'm going to date myself a little bit. That's okay. To the, to the you know, mid to late 80s and early 90s, we were just pushing forward in the, the you know, let's get away from denomination, denominationalism, they're suffocating people's gifts and blah, blah, blah. And that was essential. We needed it then. Problem is that the second and third generation does not know that's why we did it. Mm. All mm-hmm. they know now is that we just give everybody a chance on their gift. That we just let everybody do do their gifts, and we become what we have now is a kind of uh, somewhere between an argumentative to uh, belligerence that says you can't tell me who I am. God told me I heard him in my closet, and all of those kinds of things. Well, the church is now being really crushed with that kind of independence and that kind of non-submissiveness. So we, our agendas are getting clogged. We're getting bottlenecked with independent people, or we have people who are splitting. I'm going off to do what I want. And, and the greatest argument, um, and I, it's in my latest book, Assessing Your Prophetic Self, but the greatest contention is you can't tell me who I am. I mm. heard God for myself. little rebellion well, there. It, yeah. And so, and, and we we see. I mean, if we all of us out here in the field, our churches are ripped, our visions are snatched, our good people are dragged out, only to find out that they should have stayed. So the number one thing, the credential I have is what I just discussed, the assessment. The other thing, the other tools I have are part of the curricular. We have praxis. We require them to do it because what I found in scripture, when you study the terminology for every office, there is a profile. There is a continuity. There's a, 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 a norm. There are norms and standards. And so the whole goal is, and from the day God called me, he gave me this phrase, unity through uniformity. Mm-hmm. So with my, what I've done is uniform. For example, there are real distinctions between an apostle and a prophet. There are real distinctions between a bishop and a deacon, and they're in scripture in hard language. Because we have so many translations, they've gotten absorbed. So I just went in and I called scripture for, I don't know, about maybe 20 years. I called scripture to come up with it. That's what gave me the first book I wrote when they kept saying, well, you know, we're all about a gifting. We are gift, but everything God does is a gift. Yes. But gifts have, gifts have attributes. They have faculties. They mm-hmm. have norms. They have consciousness and, and, and all of those other abilities. We don't, you think about it, and, I, and I, I, this is rhetorical, but just hear me out anyway. But think about it. How many times have you heard somebody say, now that is a highly skilled minister? Yes. Now, when, you, you don't hear people say that. This is what we say. We say, he's anointed. Yes. He's really anointed. <laughs> he's really gifted. He's really loving. You know, I mean, my spirit burns, but how do you measure that so that someone who's about to dump a fifty to $100,000 a year salary on somebody can say, this is the best choice? Hmm. We can't do that. So we, and, and we take people's bios as, as, as gospel. We take their resumes as if they didn't get some professional to write it. So 
now, what, so what we do is, first of all, in all of our training, we are able from the assessments to say, you know what, you're not called to the prophetic. I know you want to do it, uh, but you're not called to be a prophet. For example, my, my PAQ, the prophetic aptitude questionnaire, it will take them out of the office as well as put them in. And so, mm-hmm. and then it will tell you, you're, you're, you're an intercessor. You're good for intercession. That's where you peak. Wouldn't so you like so people need that? to get comfortable where God, where God has put them and how God has made them. And, and comfortable. But then we go and we do something that you do in your profession every day. We hone your skills. We hone the attributes. We hone the you God made, not the you you want to be. Right. Wow, that's good. <laughs> so... Uh, you yourself, you worked with a lot of different kinds of churches, I imagine. You've also planted a few churches. Tell us about that. Well, I, my first church I planted in uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Worcester, Massachusetts. And I think, um, but my, my very first church began where I live, which is in New Jersey. And through it all, I learned it. And I can honestly tell you, I started on the model that was prevalent at the time. What we have today in New Jersey, uh, in uh, Tulsa, the Congregation of the Mighty Ecclesial Industry, uh, Embassy rather, is based on my, uh, my apostleship. I have finally mm-hmm. gotten to a point where all of that exploring and all of that whatever has synergized and synthesized to the point that I realized that apostles are supposed to have embassies because we are the, the heavenly equivalent of an ambassador. For Jesus Christ. We know that. Now, I know we say we make everybody an ambassador, but you know, there's a difference between being the ambassador of a sovereign and the ambassador of a product. So we make those differences. So the Congregation of the Mighty in Tulsa is a rebirth of something that, you know, you have to go through trials that was um, battered due to apostleship not being widely accepted. That's why this whole day in my life is thrilling me Hmm. uh, after almost 40 years. But uh, you, you know, you have to stay in the fight until you defeat what doesn't want you to win. And so I, we finally there. And so my church restarted. Ironically, uh, I had quit. I quit ministry. I'm done. I told Jesus, your people don't like me. I don't pastor the way you want. I'm out. I'm done. And so he's talking to me and we're almost sitting face to face. And he's saying, you're a pastor. You're going to pastor. You're a good pastor. He said, and you're going to have a church if I have to ship them in. I said, well, God, I don't know how you're going to do that, you know, because, right, you know, when you go through it, you know what it's like being in anything. You have to fight for your, your, your seat and every level you got to fight again. So I did. And I, I got up. He said, so he came to me one time. He said, will you trust me one more time? And mm-hmm. I said, OK, God, I'll trust you one more time. I said, but if this doesn't work, I'm off the hook forever. And so I did, and I started, and we started in this rank little room. It was terrible. It was horrible. And I said, okay, first of all, I need to know if, if, if this is you, I need to have better quarters, you know. So well, now, I, now I know we, you're a real church planter. There you go. I said, <laughs> Baby, I, I, we were in this room was so bad, I couldn't stand it. I, I almost cried every Sunday. Aww. So anyway, <laughs> just to get to the end of it, we ended up from a ranky-dank church room to a ranky-dank mall that's about to close. And then from there to the library, and then he finally put us in a strip mall, which when I went there, I was like, God, I keep thinking I can't do this. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Go in there. The place is like, it's really wonderful. But anyway, to get to the end of it, sure enough, true to his word, 
he shipped people in. People, my church is comprised, the one I've been in Tulsa now, is comprised of people from all over the country. They listen to my broadcast. I've been on, you know, the Paula Price show, the Jesus and Paula show. I have the talk show, taking it on with Paula Price. And so these people have been listening, and they have been listening to me for three to five years. And when God hit, when he put me in that building, they started coming. They closed their ministries. They sold their businesses. They said, this is where God is next, because it takes something for you to do that. So yes. right now, I have people from all over the country. Now, here's the miracle. It's, that to me is a miracle. But here's the miracle. They don't know each other. Hmm. So they're coming at the the Abrahamic call, if you will, they're coming because they know they're part of the next thing God's doing. You know, my the thing that I've been on, are you ready for God's future? We've given people prophecies about their future, but are we ready for God's future? And they're coming because they want to be a part of God's future as he's doing it. And you know, with COVID and whatnot, hey, that, that is something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. You've had quite some ministry experiences so so when when was this that God revived that church? Three years ago. Okay. And usually when when the enemy comes against me, because you know you have to you have to defeat the princes that are the are the spiritual and natural princes that are resisting the next thing God wants to do or the new thing or the progression. So I would say I'm a, I'm probably all of three. But usually when we, we they would get to the point it start, you know, dropping discontent, discord. This happened, but because these people came of their own accord, last June we had a horrible, horrible test. And I say test because it didn't work. But because of all of that, because these people came of their own accord, they're old and whatever, not one of it worked. And they all said, no, I, I, I gave up too much for this. I'm not, I'm not settling for that. So I now have contenders, warriors, intercessors, fighters. I call them my fighter pilots. And... Um, and, and so this, I, I finally know that at this late stage of my life, I'm finally hitting my stride in why I'm on the planet. Hmm. It takes a while to figure that out sometimes. But, uh, but honestly, with your assessments, I think you're helping people figure that out earlier in life. Well, you know, I am. And what we've had, we have regular accounts now. For example, a particular church who, we have several of them, but if a church is getting a new minister or they want to have a new leader, and some of them, if they're getting new members and they want to locate where they are, they send them through the assessment. And it, it generates what they need. For example, it'll tell you their, uh, their uh, gifting, their manifestation, and then their office. It'll tell you that they're transitioning. If they are equally two things, it'll give you a hyphenated, like prophet, apostle, or mm -hmm. pastor, or whatever. It'll tell them their emotional intelligence. It tells them their readiness factor. It gives you a, a statement on their strengths and their threats. It will also tell you, it will give you a, uh, an effectiveness ratio out of 10 times when stress comes, when pressure comes, this person is likely to give you only six of the 10 things you ask for accept, uh, acceptably. And then it will give you a point, it has a matrix of, of high, low, and medium priorities that you can generate. And in, in the end, it gives you a, a, a suggestion, recommendation, like if you, uh, if you fix these priorities or you work on them for um, in a full program, most people don't, then you'll be ready to occupy your seat or enter your ministry in two and a half, three, five years. These are the programs you should have. So it does, it gives you all of that kind of information 
on these these people so they know it. It'll tell you if they're transitioning. Or if, like they said, it'll also tell you your secondary gift. Okay, so your dominant gift is propped up by this. And then it takes those two and it tells them the best environment because most people fail because they're in the wrong environment. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems like a really useful tool. Now, I want to ask you about one other thing, and that is that I see you speaking out on politics a little bit. Uh, What would you say to our nation today in 2021? (laughs) Well, that's a big question, right? (laughs) No, actually, it isn't. I'm I'm under, uh, you know, I come under fire because I'm always different. As a black woman, I'm different. As a minister, Mm -hmm. I'm different. Um, The one thing that I would say to our nation is hold fast because uh, it it ain't over. And Mm -hmm. I would say that simply because God, when God told me before I moved to Tulsa, he said, I'm not done with America. Now, if he says that, then I have to say, okay, why? We weren't even talking about it. As we came up on the current events that we're facing right now, the Lord has begun to tell me, I told you, I'm not done with America. He said, when I'm done with this, Satan can have it. He said, right now, I'm not done with it. I'm still using the United States of America. That's what he told me. So based on that, then I have to look at the agendas. I have to look at the platforms to say, if God's not done with America, then I have to look at what will keep us versus what will, uh, will release us. And so that is what I've been speaking on. So this, earlier this week, I did a whole thing. Because, you know, I don't even fight with people about it personally, but I I just did a thing on prophecy versus divination. And we don't realize Mm -hmm. divination is hefty in the Bible. But most times, because people are just taught to prophesy and not always giving the full uh, depth and breadth and width of the prophet's office and and its inherent functions, we take anything somebody says as the word of the Lord. We don't realize that, you know, divination was real. Balaam was a diviner. And so... I did that whole piece, obviously, you know, how things like that go. But then you wouldn't be me if that didn't happen. Um, (laughs) See, I'm being, do you see how gracious I'm being? I'm using all of the right words. But if I had to say it, I would have to say that the church needs to take, take, resume its stance. It abdicated a lot for the sake of, of, of secularity, for the sake of getting along and diplomacy. But right now, America was founded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether or not he used heathens or not is irrelevant. It's still his name because they're working to convert us from Christianity to something else. So my first thought is that we need to do what it takes. God told me, I want my people in public office. He said, every time there's an election, I need my people getting in office. He said, because that's how they took us out. They told us to get out of public office. So that would be the second thing that I would say. And the last thing I say which is more for the up and coming, and that is many Christians do not know that Christianity ran the world. We don't know that Christianity ruled the world. We're so busy fighting over denominations and doctrines and whatnot. The laws that they're changing, they're changing them from Christ. The, 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 the uh, protests that they're having, they're changing them from Christ. My last thought on this, because I, I, I know you have a, a, a time thing, but my last thought on this is that we don't realize that when they say new world order, 
they're not talking about a new technology, a new culture, or anything like that, just at face value. They're saying dump Christianity, let's dump Christ and the Christians. So if we are really worth our soft as the offspring of God, as the people of God, then we're going to have to come galvanize, come together and realize that whatever our idiosyncrasies are, whatever our differences are, we need to galvanize and unify to take our place again, because this thing is not about politics. It never has been about politics. You can go all the way back to the beginning. Um, we look a lot like the medieval church right now with the magic and the wizards and all of that. We've got a lot of work to do, but I have confidence in the spirit of Christ in us that we can get it done. But most of the up and coming, ask your grandchildren, your children or your great grands or whatever, they're going to tell you, they will never know that Christianity ruled the world. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Dr. Price. <laughs> That's why I said, let me shut up. Because, see, you know, I, <laughs> pray for me, okay? I am there. Well, we're, I'm we're going to keep <laughs> watching and see, uh, see how you unfold some of these things, how you unpack them. But I wonder now if you would just close out our podcast with a prayer for our listeners. I'm, I'm sure there's much to pray about. Uh, Father God, I would be glad to do it. First of all, uh, Father, I give you praise, Lord Jesus, for being God. I give you praise, God, for, for keeping this together while we grew up. Because this is all about us coming of age. This is a whole coming of age season for the body of Christ. And every time we have to come of age and anyone has to fight for their next place, fight for their, their destiny station and destiny position, this conflict there's always conflict. There are always battles because we must win the contest for us to rise and take our seats. So, Lord, I thank you that we are no longer going to look at this as children in the house saying, you know, Dad, why are you letting it happen? That we recognize that this is a coming of age era for the body of Christ. I'm glad to be a part of it. And so, therefore, God, I'm asking that the leaders begin to hear you, not just as the Savior, but as the sovereign who must keep his land and keep his people and keep his kingdom, that they will hear you as the warrior, as the ambassador, as the entrepreneur, as the politician, as the, the uh, leader and the the. Uh, agents of your state. Hebrews 8, 2 says that you are a minister of the sanctuary, but that word minister is public official. Get us back into public life. Put the reins of public life back in our hands. Cause those of us who are going to, to take our seats in that arena to have your mind and to have the mind of even the founders of our country. They were pastors plus. They were not just pastors. They were pastors plus. They were ministers plus, bishops plus, business people, politicians. God, give us the mind of the sovereign of creation, the sovereign of sovereigns, and not just the Savior who we are asking to keep us until it's time for us to exit the planet. I'm asking you to build this up. I'm asking us to give us your mind and bring us into one mind, the mind that must keep what you have entrusted to us and retake lost ground. And I'm thanking you for the grace to do it, for an outpouring of your spirit, revival. I'm asking for dispensations. And God, I'm asking for the providences as well as the wisdom to get it done in the name of your almighty son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Paula Price, for being with us today on Charisma Connection. It's been a delight, and you've stirred our spirits, our souls, our minds, <laughs> and uh, I bet you people are going to want to not listen to this 
podcast just once, but maybe twice, maybe three times, and go to your website, which is drpaulaprice.com. Have I got that right? It's actually... It's drpaulaaprice.com. It might redirect them, but sometimes it gets a little stuck. Oh, I see that now, is, yes. Mm-hmm. com. Thank you so much, Dr. Price, for being with us today. Thank you, too, Chris, for having me. It was a joy. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. And be sure to take a moment today and go to cpnshows.com. That's our network, Charisma Podcast Network, cpnshows.com, where we've got, I don't know, a couple of hundred shows up there for you, and it'll help you in all areas of your life. So if you want some spiritual growth, go and take a look at those podcasts. Many of them are new, and also you can enjoy Strang Report and Green Lines there at cpnshows.com. Thanks for listening to Charisma Connection today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 